The pain is just programming! Welcome to Westworld The Recapables. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined, as always, by Micah Peters. What up, what up, what up? And the masked man, David Shoemaker, who, like Bernard, also had his brain cut out of his head. How are you doing today, David? I'm great. That was that was better than my intro was going <laughs> to be. I think I was going to go with, like, I was going to call Micah the man in black and call Danny his daughter, who we're not sure if she's a host or not. You know, like, every other day of the week, you'd be right, you know? It's kind of like when I'm trying to get dressed in the morning and I think I'm going to wear colors, and I'm like, you know what, I'm just more comfortable wearing all black, I think. Yeah, I feel the same way almost every day. <laughs> Um, listen, as you can tell us, overcast outside. We are all sitting here as bleary eyed as we could possibly be. We, um, we recorded the main episode on what, what day was that? Monday, as opposed to our usual, usual, like slight pre record. This is inside baseball stuff, but we got waylaid by the biggest Westworld shocker you could possibly imagine. We also had Memorial Day weekend, and then since then, we've had. Uh, one of the biggest rap battles in the history of mankind, hip-hop beef, sorry, rap battle sounds like they're going at each other on a TNT show or yeah, something. Yeah, that, that makes it sound like they're standing like, you know, like on a stage and, you know, just openly trading. They are kind of openly trading blows. Uh, Drake and Pusha T is finally happening. If you want to know more about that, Mike has got a podcast called On Shuffle that's really good and that uh, that that entirely re-recorded at the last second last night. So everybody's bleary-eyed. <laughs> but thank then, you for your patience. Yes, and then but even besides that, we've we the Ringers uh, had a story about Brian Colangelo and... Uh, uh, some reported Twitter usage that uh, has sort of been absorbing the entire internet and a lot of our lives. So thank you guys for waiting for us. It's Tinfoil Thursday <laughs> on Westworld The Recapables. Bang, bang. Um, you know, on Tinfoil Tuesday, Thursday, as it happens to happen this week, um, we go through, uh, we kind of talk a little bit about the episode that's just happened. In this case, it's season two, episode six of Westworld, phase space. Where, spoiler alert, we found out Robert Ford is back. Um, Dude! On our second this is episode, crazy. On, on our second episode, so today it's 10 Foil Thursday, we're gonna have Danny Heifetz serenade us with some of the wackier and wilder speculation and theorizing from around the internet, uh, mostly Reddit. And uh, Mike and I are gonna see what we think about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> I just have I me mean, like, welcome, you know. every, welcome one and all. To our uh, crazy, nerdy pleasure palace. And um, let's get on with the theorizing. Usually I want to bring your heart rates up with my theories, but feel, I feel like I have to resuscitate you guys right now. But it's okay. Let's First, do it. we can start with the things I got wrong from last week, which I said Coughlin was Irish. Co- at Contra Ra on Twitter, pointed at, thank you, Contra Ra. Told, he's... He's, sorry, I said he's Scottish. I screwed it up in the correction. I said he was Scottish. He's Irish, apparently. All right. Well, so that can be forgiven because you've been listening to Chris Ryan do bad Scottish and Irish accents for the past <laughs> several years. So yeah. that's kind of- uh, and then <laughs> some people, yeah, were saying that Teddy remembered the change because they didn't reboot him. They just kind of said... He'd be unstable, and you know they never actually wiped him. Which he, he, that he yeah. remembered. I love the fact that they said that and they never set the rules or the parameters of what the fuck that actually means. I mean, yeah. like it's just like, yeah, if we if we do this without doing a full yeah, reset, I think it was a fair. Be, I mean, I think I, I think I made that case in real time, but I think that it's you know it's 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 fair to ask how this works. Yeah, yeah. And say that's a weird way for it to work to, to work. If in fact that's the way, go ahead. Yeah. This all right, so the next one broke my heart. This is the Eoin. 
E O I N. It's just I, I picture it like in a cartoon. You get like a spring. It's like oing oing. That's like I think that's how you spell. Owen. Anyway, going oing. Uh, I said that the letters on the globe was like a landmass between Australia and China. I was like, oh, maybe those are like landmass in the South China Sea. Uh-huh. Apparently, it's the letters that spill out Delos on the globe. So, you, so your your most it's a globe personal your most personal original heartfelt theory is just wrong. I was looking at the S of the Delos on the globe written, and I Whoa. thought it was an island. So right. she's really upset. Her. So, so I kind of hate you, Theoin. So an Easter egg inside of an Easter egg is just mise en scène, apparently. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Next one. Uh, last one I got wrong. Uh, last week I said that one crazy theory is that Dolores was pregnant. And what I meant to say was, Dolores, you are hiding a child. What? He's making a reference to the oh, Pusha T district. Pusha you are hiding tried, a okay. child. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, just I like, it's, but you know what? We already said. Did you watch Blade Runner twenty forty nine? No, no, I did not. And I will. I will move on. Then stop talking about babies. I will. God damn it. Okay, I'll watch it this week. All right. Get in. We can get into theories. Um, we can start with like the mainstream fair. I'm Ravenous Poe. I don't know. I can't. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. They tweeted this at me, but this has been floating around for weeks. Um, but now it's like really kind of ramped up. So we haven't talked about it yet. But have you noticed the different aspect ratio on a lot of the shots? throughout the episodes. So when we first enter the season, we get that Bernard and or Bernard Dolores scene, uh, which we got again last night. That's actually in widescreen as opposed to kind of the regular TV view. And a lot of people speculated that like, oh, well, what does that mean? Why is that in widescreen? And why is it like, is it a different thing? <coughs> so last night, or sorry, this week's episode, we saw the, once again, the Bernard Dolores conversation was in widescreen, but in the last scene, when they cut to the cradle, when they went from Elsie and Bernard, they're in like normal, regular TV mode. Once he goes into the cradle, it's in widescreen again. So unless that's some, you know, that could be some like cool, like uh, artistic decision, but it really actually no. kind of hints that those, all those Bernard and Dolores conversations are taking place in the cradle. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's okay. fine. Okay. All right. I'll allow it. So yeah, it's like, and what happens from there? Like he's being simmed by Dolores too, and like maybe they're trying to ramp up the you know the consciousness and trying to get him to become Arnold, right? So I mean, we are we going to talk more about? Yeah, we should do that now. You want to just do that one? Yes, let's do that. All right, let's go in deep. So again, spoiler alert for everything that follows. We're just talking about crazy ideas about Westworld. Um, so our working theory, and we've talked about this a little, a little bit on the main show and on past episodes, uh, is that. One of our working theories is that everything that's happening with Bernard and Elsie is, in fact, a simulation. Yeah, so this is aided by the closed captions literally labeling Elsie as Hale. Right. Which is mm-hmm. either a ridiculous fuck-up or it's it, not. It can't There's possibly no be a mistake. It seems really unlikely. So, and again, he, that could either be a sim or it could also, again, in the first episode, the whatever computer thing said that he had phantasmagoria, which is the— inability to like identify faces so maybe he's like walking around with Hale and doesn't yeah. know but no he's pr- probably I saw somebody allude online to the fact that like there was a picture of Charlotte Hale in one of the teaser trailers that had her in like the same outfit a similar outfit to what Elsie is wearing or something so maybe I mean there's probably a lot more to this but um, if we want to assume for the sake of argument that the Elsie that we're seeing that real Elsie either died when Ford I mean when, when Bernard attacked her last season or she's just elsewhere if, and we'll assume for the for the sake of argument that the Elsie that we are seeing week to week is a Charlotte Hale 
uh, burner account. Should I use that <laughs> phrase? <laughs> uh, that uh, if if we assume that, and then like the the whole awkward, the, the just the, the the ongoing awkwardness of their interaction is because Charlotte is looping him to try to figure out what he knows about everything. Hmm. If all that is true. I could be wrong, but I feel like we maybe we've gone as far as we can go with it. Does that make sense? Like now that he's in, now that he's in the cradle, I guess he could come out and say like, "Here's what I saw in the cradle," and deny that he saw four, and that could be a whole couple episodes. But I could also definitely see a version where, in episode seven, he wakes up and he looks, and where he expects to see Elsie is Charlotte. Yeah. Well, what. I don't know. Like it's just it's it, it just makes you. It's one of those things about Westworld where it makes you rethink like very minute details. Where it's just kind of like I don't know. I I don't remember ever seeing Elsie really with her hair down like that. Yeah, that's what like, someone, that's what Juliet pointed out last week on the main show. Is that she looks flawless. Like her makeup's done. You said that Danny yeah, pointed yeah. this out that like she woke up on after being trapped chained to a rock for whatever, and she was and instead of making her look, you know, put like coal on her face or whatever she just looked great yeah i mean well I, yeah i mean like there was like a dirt smudge that was yeah. it that was it that didn't say i have been incapacitated and in a cave for two weeks with nothing to eat but astronaut food but in in terms of like what this means though so if, i mean at this point i think we're confident something's up there so in terms of what it means though we can't really keep going unless we start talking about Arnold. And obviously the reveal of that first season is like, oh, it's for fidelity. So obviously it seems that Arnold's, you know, brain is on a control unit, got put in Bernard. The question is when. So maybe it's, it seems the most likely is either Dolores is trying to recreate that and put it in Bernard, or maybe this has been happening for like 30 years and that this has actually been going on and we haven't known about it. But Bernard has had Arnold's mind the whole time, but... He hasn't known it, and Ford's been trying to um, give him consciousness all this time. So I'm curious what you guys think there. Think that Arnold's, like, just getting put in Bernard, and they're going to have to, like, dual consciousness or a new body? Or, like, <sighs> do you think he's just always been? I think he's always been. I think he's always been there. I think that the most logical—not not, not most logical from the internal logic of the show, but most logical from a storytelling perspective based on what we know so far is that basically the parallel is Jim Delos and Bernard— and they're they in two separate factions, William for Jim and Ford for Bernard or for Arnold. Sorry, have been sim- were simultaneously trying to make to put consciousness into hosts, and that they went about it very different ways. It's the you know good uh, whatever man in black whatever man in white. I'm thinking of Lost now, but there's two different <laughs> tracks to the same point of consciousness. Maybe it's the God above and the God below. Um, Oh, white hat, black hat, yeah. Yeah, and that, and that, that, and in, in telling it that way, just so from a narrative perspective, it makes sense that this is the entire existence of Bernard has been a very slow cooking, long play to awake Arnold's consciousness. That's that's that would be my guess. I understand the yeah. other one where it's just like, oh, well, he had his consciousness all along. And we just put it in, but no, this makes more sense. It makes sense that he put it. I mean, it makes sense that he, would, if he had the consciousness, if we had the ability way back then to take a real person's consciousness, even if you, even if it's flawed, maybe you put it in, but you like turn off half of it and just let that be, let him be a host for a while until he kind of can access the weird parts. I mean, the the more human parts of the mind. Yeah, and going through because 
once you watch season one and like you know that he is based on Arnold, there's all these incredible little like hints and nuggets in season one you didn't get. Like in the second episode, I was rewatching it and uh, he's like, "Oh, what's up? What's what's wrong, Bernard? I, I know how the head of yours works." And there's all these little things, but then rewatching it again with the idea that he might actually really be Bernard's mi- or Arnold's mind too. There's even like more layers to all that stuff where. It really does – like the one thing that Ford does all the time in season one that I cannot get out of my head mm-hmm. is that every time there's ever talking about the history of the company and the history of Westworld, Ford always is telling some story and then he's like, you weren't here in those days, were you, Bernard? And Bernard's like, no. And like now you're like, okay, either that that's like literally just for his own sense of humor and he thinks it's funny or he's actually just trying to give him like a little kick in the shin. Like, come on, Arnold, like, wake up, wake up, dude. Yes. Um, So I I really, really think after watching all those, like, little nuggets, like, I I think it's, he's definitely been in there the whole time. Yeah, that that does make a lot of sense. Anyway, going back to the original thing, the idea is that, I mean, we were talking about whether or not this is a loop, whether or not this is Charlotte acting as, posing as Elsie to try to get the truth out of Bernard. I said that it's possible that Bernard could wake up, and it's also possible that Bernard spends the rest of the season in the cradle, right? Mm, yeah. And what if we see, what if the next time we see him, it's just like Charlotte and, and um, what's his name? Strand, if in fact he exists, and, you know, everyone else gathered around Bernard in the Cerebro thing, and they're just like, yeah, he won't wake up. I pushed all the buttons, but he seems to be <laughs> happy wherever he is. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that is really interesting. Like what, it, I mean, everything with the cradle and what happens there with Ford and, uh, I actually have a piece going up ringer.com Thursday. Uh, what is Ford's plan in all this? And obviously there's like 10,000 things, but I thought there were three different avenues that I thought were worth exploring. Um, but they all kind of come back to, we know that the cradle like gets blown up. You're forgiven if you forgot this. We know this from the, what? The fifth episode. So before we go to Shogun World, and I blacked out everything before we went to Shogun World because it was amazing. But one of the things they're talking about is that his henchman tech dude tells Strand that like we lost the cradle completely. And everything in there has been destroyed, and they have, like, a video of it, and they're like, we put out the fires, but all the host backups are gone. Like, they say that. And we don't know the meaning of that until this episode. So we know that happens in the two-week furthest timeline. So the question is, how and, like, why did that happen? Obviously, Ford's chilling in there, and, like, Ford's got a plan. But, like, what is it? And, like, did that involve destroying the cradle, or, like, did it not? So I have a few little things that I'm curious about. Curious what you guys think, if you want to hear them. Go ahead. Yeah, proceed. So the last time that Bernard and Ford were together was the very end of the first season, and they say goodbye in the church together. And this is right before Ford goes and gives his speech. And Ford basically says to Bernard, I'm sorry, (laughs) but, like, not sorry. And that Arnold's key insight was that suffering is what leads the host to consciousness. And he says that only when Arnold died and I suffered that— I understood that he was right and then says, I did all this. You needed 30 years. You needed to get stronger, to know your enemy, to become stronger than them. And unfortunately, you're going to have to suffer more. That's the last. He says, now goodbye, old friend. And then he hands him the toy, the maze toy. Mm -hmm. And that's the last time they saw each other. Now they're together again. So that had me thinking that that really is critical, right, to all the hosts becoming conscious in a way. And that. The cradle does burn down, and Ford's literally just sitting there plotting all day. Like, I have to think that the cradle burns down because it's Ford's plan to destroy the cradle. Yeah. 
So why would he do that? Well, I think the thing that makes the most sense is it goes back to what Bernard and Dolores said to open the season. And Dolores asks, what is real? And Bernard says, that which is irreplaceable. Right. So Dolores, like, pushes him on that. But let's say for a moment, like, four degrees. Let's say for a moment that that's true, like, that which is irreplaceable. As long as they're on that cradle backup, as long as they're in the servers somewhere, and they can be replaced, maybe they're not really real as long as there's that backup. And that it's kind of like the Dark Knight Rises. Uh, oh, I, I Mike, went there too early. Mike, Mike is just scooting his back chair back the, the table you know, right now. So basically, once you, re- you need to re- remove the safety net, mm. and that once they can actually die, so that, a f- you know, they kill all the backups. So if Teddy, you know, gets shot in the head and, like, his consciousness is gone, like, he's gone. Yeah, he's it's not a coming for back. Teddy. Yeah. And then Dolores will feel a pain that they actually can't feel right now. No matter how many times they think they've died, They've not actually died. And so how many times does Maeve say, you know, I've died a thousand times, but what does the man in black say? You think you know death. You don't know anything about death. And maybe that's the real realization that the hosts need to come to is that they don't actually know death because these loved ones they have, they always come Because death is supposed to be final. So it's kind of like, exactly, death is always true. So in The Dark Knight Rises, spoiler, but like sucks to suck if you haven't seen it, he tries to climb up out of this pit and has this rope around him, this whole thing. And he keeps falling. And only when he takes the rope off and does the climb without um, the rope does he actually make it. Because he needs the fear of death is that extra bit, but the most important bit, to actually allow him to make the leap. That you need the extra fear of death and the fear that death will come upon the people you love to actually make make the leap. (laughs) So what Ford is saying is that by removing the backups— by removing the safety net, David, because we don't do the safety net. That's true. That is the only way that they will be able to make that extra leap toward consciousness and escape Westworld. Yeah. Well, what was the Man in Black's line from the when he was talking to um, Craddock? He was just like, "Yeah, you think you know death, but like death is final. Exactly. Yeah, death, death is, is always true. Yeah, death is always true. Yeah. Yeah, but that, but the yeah, I, I I like that idea, and it makes a lot of sense too. Like maybe that's what was wrong with. Um, Jim, the Jim Delos hosts, like there was, they always had him backed up, right? They're always just like set it on fire, start over again, mm. um, and they were waiting for like one offshoot of that to sort of f- flower. But in fact, um, the issue had to be that he knew that he was well. On some level, he knew that he was a te- test subject, and that they were kind of like trying to bootstrap consciousness through repetition. Yeah. What and what if? Total, this, this is might be taking this too far. Never. What if Ford sent Bernard to take all of those consciousness balls? I think that's a technical term. Consciousness yeah. balls? <laughs> I just uh, call them bouncy balls. You know, what, like, what, what, what let's if, agree to call them... Uh, what were those? What was what was the milk chocolate candy where you, you could kind of like crack it and there was like a there's a prize inside? Oh shit! You know what I'm talking about, yeah. right? Never mind. You know um, what? Forget it. No, I'm, this is more important. No, we're we're, we're, getting, we're getting off track. Where is it? Like dinosaurs <laughs> inside? No, that'll get him too excited. I love dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> no. Your eyes just got like no, but what, dinner what plates. If, what if Ford sent? I mean, what if Ford sent Bernard to get those brain balls, not to put them into a new host body? But to destroy them, so that the consciousness of what of the real one out there could flourish. 
No, I think that it was six months <laughs> yeah, getting okay, put okay. in the cradle. That would probably be no, so, a little bit more like in The Dark Knight Rises, like how Batman like <coughs> basically rehabbed by doing 10 push-ups after getting his spinal, like, <laughs> broke his, his back. shit broke that in happened. half. Yeah. Seen that happen and he was just life. like, you know what? I'm going I'm to take this rope off. I'm going to knock these push-offs up, and I'm going to go back to Gotham and, and waste was, Bane. Yeah. I don't know why people go to chiropractors when you could just do push-ups after, you know, massive back injuries, like... It's really just a mental toughness thing. Yeah, step your weight up. It's, yeah. Mental toughness all the way. All right, let's go. What's so the, the flip side of this is the opposite in that maybe Ford really just loves chilling there. Because so we we know Ford – remember that story told old Bill who – old Bill is coming back. The bartender who says three words. Uh-huh. The three lines are going to be the most important three lines Sh- of the whole show. Let's drink to the lady with the red shoes. White shoes, Micah. Whatever. They're, Whatever the color was, those I'm are gonna, sure that it doesn't matter. They're going to be... I cannot even explain how much they're going to matter. How dare you? His, his three lines, those are going to be like three of the most ten most important lines in the whole show by the time the series is over. Every it's every line in this show it means everything and nothing at the same time. Which is why the character who says three things is going to be... I'm. Yeah, I'm I'm, anyway. I, I'm more and more inclined to agree with Danny on this one. Yeah, the you longer know, we go, the more it's true that like, it true. seems true that I, like even if every sentence wasn't written with the intention of fulfilling it somehow in mind, uh, that's what's um, they're, they're going to like retroactively make everything meaningful. We can we can get into those lines a little bit later. Okay, actually, guys. Want, but anyway, white shoes. Can I ask you, can I ask you a question about him though? Before we before this, we can save this for another week. Like Wild Bill and Dolores are the first two hosts that were ever created, right? Yeah, he says he's he's the second one. They and, ever she, created. and the implication is that she's the first. Yes. Why is he a decrepit old robot? I have a theory on this. Is it just because he hasn't been replaced or like exercised or? I think Arnold made Dolores and Ford made Bill, oh. and that's why he cares about him so much. Ford just couldn't do it. Mm. Ford like wasn't good enough. Mm, I like this theory. Wow. Okay, okay moving, all right. moving on to the cool. next thing. I'm back in on the white shoes. <laughs> uh, I, I actually feel really strongly about that. I'd be, I actually be, would be really interested to see what his idyllic version would be actually in the cradle. I would. I hope he's actually in the cradle with them in that room when we see him next. So the, the alternative, though, so Ford tells Bill the saddest story he ever saw. I think this is in episode five. And he asked him, you want to hear the saddest story I ever saw? And he's like, oh, I've seen some showdowns in my day. And he's like, all right. And he tells him about his Greyhound. And long story short, he has a Greyhound and takes it to the park and they take the leash off and the dog just chases down a cat and just kills the cat. So it's every country song ever? Exactly. <laughs> Come on. Well, I should listen to more country. <laughs> 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 I couldn't help myself. I'm Get sorry. It. Get a truck and some whiskey in there before yeah, you start say. making those jokes. Go ahead. There's no cold beer on the console. Um, so... He tell he basically is like, wow, that dog was so beautiful while running, but oh my god, I didn't like watching it kill the cat. And then he's like, the cat, the dog's just standing there, like, oh, what do I do now? Like speaking of Batman, the Joker, like, just dog chasing cars. I'm gonna do it if I just caught it. We're and gonna make it through all three of the Nolan yeah. Batman films before this is over. Oh yeah, obviously. If Ford's lesson from that story, which sounds like his cornerstone, is that he loved the process of the dog running, but he once it got to its destination, it was purposeless. If he applies that lesson to hosts, that the hosts, like greyhounds, hosts just go in loops and go in loops, and they have a goal and a purpose that they will never actually attain. They'll never reach the thing, just like greyhounds that race around a track are never going to reach that rabbit thing they're chasing. Mm-hmm. So then if you go to back to, um, I think the, ne- the two episodes later, Ford gives like the peacock feather speech, where he's like, I've come to think of so much of consciousness as a burden. 
and he's like, we've cured them of anxiety and, and you know, and guilt and everything. And he, and he basically is saying that, like, consciousness sucks. Like, existence is miserable. Like, this is all depressing. <laughs> right. Birth is and a curse. Like, existence is a prison. Yeah. yeah. And he basically just literally lays it out that, like, I've cured, like, these are people, but, like, without any of the shitty parts. Like, they're happy. So now he gets to live in the cradle, which is literally just this ideal world. They're all pure in a Garden of Eden way, David. That they're not interrupted <clears throat> by they're not interrupted by any people they're not bumped off their loops so Ford gets to live in a world where like the greyhound's just running but they'll never catch the rabbit and he just he doesn't have to live with any of them disturbed and maybe it's like his Neverland and he never wants to leave and he never wants any of them to leave and that's what he thinks freedom for them is and that freedom is he doesn't want them to be in the outside world come in this is the real center of the maze is just be part of this weird singularity thing with me <laughs> and like. We'll all be happy. And then that might set up a conflict between Bernardo and Dolores who are like, you know what? We're going to like rough it out here in the real world because we don't want to be confined to like this infinite loop where we can't control anything. And maybe we'll never be like killed or have these horrible atrocities visited upon us. But like we actually get to make decisions. Right. So maybe he wants them to stay in there forever. And they're like, no. And then they actually burn it and him down. Now you're skipping Ed. Well, yeah. Is that but, the best maze theory we have? Well, the maze. Well, the the maze is kind of turned into the door, which I think the door is at the center. Because if you look at the if you look Google a picture of the maze, the circle in the center of the maze, like it's a closed circle. Like that's what the door is going to. It's you get to the center of the maze and there's a door. I'm like I'll, I'll put ninety seven percent on that one. You find a door at the center of the maze and you unlock it. And I'm like, ooh, there's a deeper level to myself. You know what I mean? And that's Wasn't the original description of the maze when, like, Hector described it in season one? Didn't he say that the legend was that there was an old man sitting at the middle of it? Uh, I don't remember. I mean, this is all coming back to Native Amer- This is all going to be, like, the Ghost Nation folklore. Like, that's definitely where all of the maze and all of this stuff leads back to is, like, what Ghost Nation— It's their religion. Kind oh, of like you mean, those- like, uh, kind of—I uh, mean, towards the end of this episode when— uh- uh, the leader of the ghost nation is standing over Maven is just kind of like we're on the same path exactly yeah. and I think and also oh no no it's, he, it's uh, this is when Teddy was talking about it in season one he said the maze is an old native myth is what he says to William the, yeah in, this, in episode six the maze itself is the sum of a man's life the choices he makes the dreams he hangs on to and there at the center there's a legendary man who'd been killed over and over again countless times he always clawed his way back to life. That's the native myth. That's the ghost nation and then, mythology. So, and then Hector, when Hector, who is half native, mm-hmm. and when he sees the dolls that one of the kids is playing, they the ghost nation or the native host parade through the town. They're being and arrested. Mave is They're freaked out. Because, yeah, but Mave is freaked out because one of the little uh, kids is holding a doll that is like. The workers and the, the suits that like come the and collect the dead bodies, worker, yeah. yeah. They, so they the, the the ghost nation worships humans and or worships the 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 park employees. And Hector calls it those are the gods that walk between worlds. He also references something called the Dreamwalker, who he said that could it was someone who could see them, and it's unclear if he was if he was saying that of talking about a specific person that he's IDing as a Dreamwalker or just that sort of like a, an archetype. Um, so, but, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway, <laughs> if every word means every means something, and William and Teddy are having a conversation in which Teddy says, at the center of the maze, there's a legendary man who's been killed over and over again countless times. It seems like Teddy's either talking about himself or talking about the man in black. 
It's that well, yeah. Okay, but and is, the, it make sense is then, the entire Ghost Nation folklore like a bug or a feature? That's a great question. If it's a bug, I think I think that they, they, there could be parts of it that were. I mean, parts of both. But I but I think that where I'm leaning right now is that whatever Ghost Nation, whatever their motivations are, whether they're being programmed or used by Ford or or I don't even know what else. They've clearly been doing their own thing since last season because, it, like I said, I said this on our earlier episode this week. It sure seems like their mission right now is to protect humans and not to be part of the massacre. Like they, yeah. they were capturing all those people and then they set them free on the beach, right? I mean, which is where they're all trying to get to get saved. So if that's true, then I think that we take Stubbs, them abducting Stubbs last season, into that same mission. They they abducted him to protect him from getting murdered at the gala. They somehow knew that was going to happen. They're saved. They saved his life. Mm. So that was either that was either Ford programming them to like save everybody who didn't deserve to die or something, or that's just in their motivations because they worship humans. And yeah, and, or, or they worship the park staff more specifically. It would make sense if they saved all those Delos people because that's I, that's the that's their higher. I mean, that's their religious I'm, hierarchy. I'm not sure if they worship the staff, but like I to answer your question though, whatever their folklore is, like it's not like a it, like that is the show. Like that is the overriding ideology. It will be like one and the same. Like by the time the series is done, like all those references we've gotten, where like we can't piece together yet, the two fathers and we're just the devil and all the stuff we see with reflections, death, the nature of it, like. Whatever, like, when we finally get the Ghost Nation ideology, then we will be able to piece together these disparate threads. Like, that is the missing link in all of this. So I'm super confident about that. Hmm. But. Anyway, I just want to get out there that. <laughs> don't know uh, how I feel about the Ghost William, Nation worshiping the, 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 the park people. Well, they don't worship. It's not like they worship specific people. They <laughs> yeah, just, no, they, I but, don't. But they have, they have a grasp, like, some tenuous grasp on reality in a way that no none of the other hosts do yeah so yeah, yeah definitely, i mean like it's definitely yeah. something either that's what i was trying to either it's they are programmed to do this as like a second like a fail safe or they are you know this is a thing that happened on its own there's also another thing that's worth that's worth thinking about i don't know if it's worth talking about is that akechta who's the leader of ghost nation or who we presume to be the leader mm-hmm was in that episode two. I mean, he he was part of the he was one of the the part of the two man crew who tried to seduce Logan into uh, backing Westworld. Yeah, I think you could definitely make the case that anybody who's like been sent out into the world, just like Dolores. I mean, I know all of them were in that room at that party, but if there's a if there's a way in which your consciousness grows by exposure to other things, and the way that Dolores is like, uh, you know, I've been out there. I know. I I know what I know what the Great Beyond is. It's a weapon. All that kind of stuff. Then Akechta has exposure to that too, right? So, yeah. like, if that, so maybe he's he's slightly more woke because he was there. We'll, we'll get, mm. we'll get, we'll have more Native American stuff uh, as the season goes. I'm f- very confident. But last one on the cradle. I've said this before. I will say it again. F- I, Ford, in my mind, right now, is like the Holy Ghost. If you look at Arnold as God. You don't have to, like, squint very hard. You see Bernard as, like, this Jesus-like figure. And then Ford now, he doesn't have a physical body, but he's this omnipresent spirit thing. He's It's very similar to, like, the Godhead and the Holy Trinity. So if that is the case in a way, 
you know, you start looking at the characters as who fits who in the Bible and Dolores leading mass slave rebellion, Exodus, whatever you want to call it, like uh-huh. kind of seems like Moses. And I, I don't know if you guys noticed, but in the opening scene, she got up off the chair, did a little spin and her dress was wet. The bottom, like the, the hem, the back of her dress that touches the ground right. was wet. Which maybe she just crossed the sea, that she just parted with the help of the Holy Ford. We'll see about that. Because she's Moses, and that's how she got to the I valley know, beyond. I like that. Because like, she's, she's Moses. Because she's Moses. Because she's Moses. she's Moses. Yeah. Okay. You, you, you did. You have already made the you know like parting of the Red Sea thing. Uh, like earlier on an early episode of the show. I mean, like it, 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 I guess I did. I personally I, didn't notice can, the moisture, like at the base of at the at the hem of her dress or whatever. You know, like that wasn't something that I was really checking for. But can I make a suggestion? What if she's not in fact Moses? What if she's Moses' brother Aaron and Teddy is Moses? Because Moses Ooh. needed Aaron to speak for him because he didn't have a voice. Moses was the one that was lacking confidence. Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land, right? Yeah, they had to wander around till for, till he died for like 40 years. He could see it from— Now that I say that, you know— Yeah, Danny, you wait. heathen. Now that I just said that out loud, what if like this is the wandering in the desert? This is all—it's all been wandering. The wandering is the years. wandering for 30-something years. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to find Israel? That's like the valley beyond? Yeah. So maybe Dolores doesn't make it to the promised land. I don't know. That's all I'm saying. Maybe not. Oh, wow. I kind of like that. Teddy's. All right. Yeah. Oh, after this whole time, she's been like, not everyone deserves to make it to the to the great beyond. And and then it's just like, mm, damn, sorry, we're all full up, Dolores. <laughs> what do you I think? Mean, I think Mo- Dolores kind of re- re- relocating her heroism and then dying before they actually whatever. That's fine. Yeah. I, I mean, like right now. She, and by the way, she, this goes also goes to my theory that she's not actually conscious. Because she's not, that's her not entering the promised land. But let's go on to the next theory. No, that, well, on that note, Ted Wynn pointed out to me on Twitter, great follow. What if Dolores put herself in Bernard's body and is going to light all those Delos people up? And like it's, that's how she's going to escape. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I don't think she's in his head. Yeah. Also, but you know, like I, I, I don't think she's in his head, but you know, now I got to. It's giving me a little pause because also he said that the pain is just a program thing doesn't feel like something he would say. But then again, he has been through an ordeal. Like this is that will obviously he has changed a lot in these last couple of episodes. But yeah, I mean, like I, I, I think I got to I got to take Shoemaker's point here. That would be just kind of like I, I at what point do we where is the show going if that's the case? I actually want your thoughts on what he said like three seconds later. Elsie is like, I don't know, like some problem. And he's like, just let it do its thing. And that is so unlike how anything else Bernard has said in the entire show. He speaks like in the most technical, like boring, like terms. <laughs> just let it do its thing. That is, is... the most un-Bernard thing I've ever heard. And part of me wonders if... Oh, yeah. She said, she said uh, this This is like a, a, the cradle is built for older models that have articulated skull yeah, structures. Yeah. Your head is like mine. And he's just like, just let it do its thing. Yeah. And he's just, he's just like chill. Yeah. And I, my, when I watched that, like I was like, why would he say that? Like that? And I was like, that's such a radical departure. I was like, I wonder if that's Arnold. And that's like something Arnold would have said. 
And I bet at some point we get a flashback that Arnold says something like that because I think that that's actually him finding himself and he's getting closer to becoming like kind of Arnold's consciousness. To not care about the pain. That, but also, like, I think he's just becoming more human, so to speak. That he's becoming less, like... like Becoming the- more human by saying the most inhumane thing. Yeah, it's a little bit no, weird. I'm saying that let it do its thing. Someone on... I got my own Reddit notes from this week since we watched the show after... Uh, we recorded the podcast after the recording, and there was a, there was a uh, split screen that uh, you the Stormlight Hero 5 posted of... I think it was last season talking about his son. Bernard says, the pain is all I have left of him, and then, then cut to... Him strapped into that thing, saying the pain, all the pain is just a program. So it's that is an interesting that is an interesting juxtaposition. I yeah hate that thread, really, because it conflates emotional and physical pain. Mm. And I think that to be to compare the wipe my memories because like I don't want to feel the pain of my son's death, and like I'd rather feel that pain than have it not at all. Versus like. Don't cut my head open so I can find a deeper truth. Like, those are totally different things. Yeah, but does that mean so, you hate the thread or that you love the thread? I hate the thread because that's one of those Reddit threads that, like, look, 99% of Reddit threads, like, are, like, wonderful. No, no, it, has, it, it, so it poses the wrong question. But, it, yes. but, but, if it, but if you're getting at, I think what you're getting at think, is actually right. Yeah, no, so, but, I, I don't but, hate that thread. I hate how some people have interpreted it. It's a strong word. Loves, but, but, in, but in both cases, he loves the pain. I think that also emotional pain can be physical. No, that's says, true. Says poet Micah. Poet Micah. Uh, but I'm, no, but you, I, I mean, like, I get what you're saying, but yeah. like, it's also, it's not one that you can ignore just because it makes the narrative untidy. Mm-hmm. That's fair. It's, I think that Bernard it's, saying the word pain is, I mean, every word means something, right? In your defense and against me, the emotional pain is also programming. True. Yeah. I think. Maybe even more so. <laughs> well, we don't really know. Um, what's your next, what's the next theory? Oh, someone made a good point that elephants have a lot in common with the hosts. Um, Gustavo Fring, based El Lazo, mm-hmm. um, when they go into town, it's the new El Lazo, and he makes that whole metaphor. But the elephants connected to the stakes at the circus, and they these incredibly powerful things that are really docile and don't really know how powerful they are. Mm-hmm. It's a really good metaphor for hosts, and that they just kind of go in their loops and they don't actually test power because they don't know anything, but. They don't know, like, to try again over and over. Uh-huh. And then also that there's this perception you can do whatever you want, and they're, like, very thin-skinned reality. Elephants have gr- deep, great memories. Elephants never forget everything, and elephants are very sensitive, like, to physical pain. And uh, there's a really good analogy to that. So when you apply that to the conversation that Emily and William had this week about, one— it really mirrors the conversation they had because he says, oh, you were afraid of the elephants. And she's like, no, I love the elephants. Mom was afraid of them. So one, that's a good, that only strengthens it because she seems to love Westworld so much. She spent so much time. She knows which arrows are real or not. Mm-hmm. She speaks like Lakota. Yeah. Um, and the mom's, and the mom said, I never thought, or she says, mom. She always thought the place could hurt him. Yeah. Mom was never convinced this place couldn't hurt us, which is, yeah, that says a lot about elephants because that's what, yeah, if you're, if you're worried, then there's a lot to be worried about in an elephant. Yeah, so I, on one level, I actually think that's a great point in terms of, I think elephants are coming back this season, right? You, find, you took dinosaurs away from me. We've, seen them, in three, we've seen them in three consecutive <laughs> episodes. But elephants are coming back. But what do you mean? Yeah. They were in Raj World. And then yeah. the episode wasn't the wasn't the Lazo conversation was the episode before and this yeah. episode with his daughter I don't know if it's three in a row but episode, the conversation fair. with Emily was after that so they you're right elephants keep coming up can we talk or do you have any notes to talk about that conversation by the way oh so, yeah okay good let's move on so well 
he directly accuses her the of man, being William, a host the man immediately. Black, yeah. yeah. I think that almost disqualifies her from being a host. A lot of people think she's a host. What is this like? Is this like if you ask a cop, if you ask someone if they're an yeah, undercover it's just like cop, you have to have tell to me tell you. you're a cop. If you, yes. It's that just would be like, great if that was the underlying the underlying logic of Westworld. Hey, if you ask someone if they're a host and they're they are host, they have to say yes. It's just like they were, just one of them rolls up to you. It's just like, hey, I'd like to buy one weed, please. <laughs> and it's just kind of like, oh, good evening, officer. Yeah. it's not the same thing. I don't think. Um, so she, we saw her. We saw Emily. Um, shooting the dude in her debut episode to prove that he was a human. And she said, literally, like, they had the conversation about would they have one of them pretending to be us? Yeah. And so some people thought that that was foreshadowing that she is that. that. she is, in fact, a host. I saw a lot of people say, I think we, I kind of took it for granted that, that the man in blacks, I think I just want to believe so badly, that when the man in black forgot about the elephant thing, that that was him giving evidence that he's a host. But a lot of people smart, I mean, rightly read it a totally different way, which was that was him testing her to see if she was a host. As he already tested, he already asked her, you know, he presumed that she was a host when she showed yeah. up. But then that he got it wrong on purpose to see if she remembered it. Yeah. So the, the mm. I think the most logical place this is going, what I wanted to ask you guys about is this isn't so much a theory, but what makes the most sense going down this path with what we've seen with what he did to Maeve's daughter and Maeve. Maeve just reconnecting with her daughter mm-hmm. and just the parallels between storylines, they're already setting up tension between them. Is one of them going to like kill each other? Maeve and is going to kill Emily. Or is he going to end up killing his own daughter and realize that she's real? Ooh, I like that. Ooh. What if, Element of tragedy. Or yeah, what if Maeve has the, has the ability to kill Emily to settle the score, but then I, chooses either not one, to? Yeah, there's... Ooh, no, th- I like that one better. I like I like that one better where, where, where Maeve has the ability to kill uh, Emily and then chooses not to as like the last hurdle to actual consciousness. Yeah. Shouts to Hesse Jimbo who shouted, who threw that at me on Twitter uh, first. But look at his avatar. It's like Zach Lowe as like Jesus, Jesus with yeah. a basketball. Wow. Damn. I'm uh, offended by that. Not really. All right, <laughs> let's move on. Next one. We got we, we to hurry up. Yeah. We got a lot to get through here. There is some speculation that the the cradle kind of works like a regular old like server. It's kind of like like a really fast working computer, and that just download a URL, a URL, and all the answers are in the cradle. Uh-huh. So maybe the cradle is basically giving all these answers, right? So you the prompt goes to the thing, and it just it's a supercomputer, but the cradle's giving all the answers all at once, uh-huh. and that once the cradle's down, you know the hosts aren't going to really be able to like function quite the same way. So. If that's the case, could Ford be pulling like all of these strings? And could Ford being inside to what you were saying, is he actually being able to control Dolores this whole time? And has Dolores had free will? Because there are some parallels of the way that Teddy walked in to see Dolores playing the piano, very similar to Ford playing the piano. Mm -hmm. When uh, Bernard walks in, there's like little things that they say that like they've, that Dolores says that Ford has said in the past. Like when Clem is looking at new Clem. And Dolores is like, join the others. Ford also told a host to join the others when they're at lunch with Teresa in that episode where he like mm-hmm. pauses the whole world. So there's a lot of little, those little, little signifiers. There's a lot like of that. little things that they kind of say the same also, language. like her entire speech pattern when she had the, the, the Delos board members or whatever strung up on the tree or whatever. And she was just kind of like, there's one role, it's one final role left to play myself. It, it was just everything felt so like Shakespearean. Or written for Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. 
maybe he's been Dolores this whole time? Yeah. Yeah. I think he has. He definitely has some control. This is your theory. How do you know you're amped up about this? I'm amped. This, is, been, this is me amped right now. This is my concession to you. I have just not given the you Ford an inch here. controlling for, the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I thought that she was on the. I thought she was kind of like on a pre-programmed loop, I guess, of her own. Um, but yeah, it does seem like she could be controlled by him. I got, I like that. I'm sort of interested to see where they go with this. I mean, I, I don't like. I said, I think this is more of a. My question. I said this on on the this the other, the other show this week, the last episode. That I think it's more. I'm. I think the questions about Ford's return are a little bit more like functional, mechanical, if you will, for yeah. me. It could be that like Hopkins is only back for like a couple of voiceover sessions, you know, that we're not, he's not actually going to do anything. And maybe, you know, Bernard just immediately goes on a quest to destroy the, destroy the cradle from within. Yeah. I think he makes urging. I think he makes a sacrifice of some sort. I don't think that's a, that's a permanent place for him because it, you know, blew up and stuff. Well, conceivably, regardless of what we think, Ford's in the cradle, uh, save some giant other twist. He will die when the cradle's destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping him past that would probably be too much. Unless he comes back in, like, season 10. Like, yeah, we put him in this super shredder robot, and now he's back to kill us all. How many more seasons of Westworld could we do this for before you guys would just give up? Like, whew. On the show or on the podcast? Ten seasons on the podcast. Ten, we do ten more seasons? seasons? I, ten, Nine more seasons, Morty. Nine more seasons. And in eight years, I think I will be too old to legally be allowed to do podcasts. I think that's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, probably less than that. Anyway, next theory. Okay. We got to move. Last one. All right, I'll give you one more, like a like a good one. We'll, we'll, when we'll ship out, do it. Okay, give me your best one. I have to give shouts to a Twitter user who tweeted at me like three weeks ago at Chris Deloro, uh, who explained to me that ants, ant colonies. Which you know how much we've been discussing ants I on the show. No, but you've been talking about ants. Well, ants are the only references that like wage war. Precisely, yeah. Micah. Yeah. And the mesh network was compared to ants communicating with one another. That's how Bernard describes it. Is it's like ants, and then those whatever two dudes that strung up Lawrence, and they literally were making a joke about ants crawling. I think from his butt to his face, uh, and like that's how he was going to die. Lots of ant stuff. On the show, Chris DeLauro tweeted at me and explained that ants have a very interesting behavior in that hive mind that they have, which is what they refer to as the cradle. So ants are actually a eusocial organism, which are hypersocial because they can connect and they can communicate that way with the hive mind. They actually, an ant colony forms a super organism. In that what every piece is doing is more akin to what a body does performing the functions of a limb or an actual system of the body Mm -hmm. than as an individual because they're not making individual choices. Right. So, Uh poor Hemplo. Uh, According to a paper uh, authored by Thomas O'Shea Weller of the University of Bristol and his colleagues Anna Sindova Franks and Nigel Franks, um, found this on Seeker.com. Ants and the superorganism, quote, their abilities are much greater than the sum of the individual parts. And they did a bunch of fancy experiments. And what they found is that ants re- uh, react very differently and in a coordinated fashion to perceive predators attacks depending on their location. Uh, and it gets at the idea of what is this next level of a life form? 
and all the things that ants are able to do. So what if the cradle and connects all the hosts, the hosts are actually like ants and they could do and operate like ants that hosts themselves are not going to be alive, no individual host. But together, the super organism that they form is itself in total a life form and that they can perform certain things that ants do. And I don't know if you've ever seen those pictures of ants in like times of great flooding. Mm-hmm. Oh, they form bridges. And, and what stuff. do they do? They all, uh, at the direction of their leaders, what? they all start clambering on and they all form massive globs of like ants and they all float together as a raft. And that, like, if times of flooding or like in the Amazon. So you think that's what we saw when the Thimal in the uh, in the lagoon at the be- at, in episode one at the end of episode one? Yeah. Except the the flip side is they don't even need oxygen. They don't even have to float so, on the water. Wait. So what? What, what if? So I'm saying, like, can I can I just for one second hit me? Just for the sake of argument, let's pretend. Let, let's pretend. Let's pretend. Even though we all know it's going to happen, that Dolores does not part the seas like a magical Moses. <laughs> okay. I don't actually think that's going to happen. I'm writing and making fun of Danny. Wouldn't it make more sense that she somehow compelled all the hosts to become a raft for her and she crossed the water on that and that's why your dress is wet? Yeah. Except in reality, they don't even have to breathe. And Jonathan Nolan said before. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen here. But the main point I'm making is that we have a very atomistic version uh, view of life and that life occurs in units. And there's actually increasing research in the last 10 years that life is environmental, that a tree dies, and we look at it as the tree died, but a tree dies on the rainforest floor, but as the tree rots, it gives life to you know all the things. And what we view as the cycle of life and the bacteria eat it, and then there's fungus and all this stuff, that life is exists in environment, that there's right. no life in a vacuum. Uh-huh. It has to exist <clears throat> in a cycle. And that this is the type of super, or, like a true organism that if you want something to surpass humanity, like Ford is saying, it can't exist on the same dimension that we that the humans kind of exist right now. That, that life isn't going to, oh, it's just, it's just like, you know, people, but like they don't have to eat and like they don't have to sleep and like they're computers. No, it's, it's all of these individuals coming together to form a collective higher being unit that is this kind of decentralized but yeah, yeah. hyper-centralized sure. organism. And that is actually what is good enough, pure enough to surpass humanity. Sort of makes the search for consciousness seem a little bit hollow, but okay. Yeah. I, I mean, if hmm, if we are so it, it, using, seems, it, seems, it seems incredible. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, like, I, it seems incredible to, to, to basically unite all of the lived experiences over 30, 30 plus years of, I don't know, thousands of hosts in Westworld to one to one living well, organism, but yeah, I mean, like, it, it, yeah, it makes the whole, yeah, like it I makes, said, if we're searching for consciousness and the answer is we're all part of one central consciousness, it makes it less, yeah, it takes a village. It's it, a community. Well, uh, well, I mean like, you know, then, you know, if everyone is special, then no one is. And I, I don't know. It's just very like, God, this whole show is about the sneeches. I swear to God. I, it really the, is. Um, I, it, it, <laughs> and also what's a sneech? It's a Dr. It's, Seuss book. Yeah. Wait, really? Who do your reading? Yeah. The, the, uh, but I will the, read that before next but week. But the, so I, I mean it feels like this sort of goes headlong against everything else we've ever talked about yes but I guess the idea could be that like exploding the cradle if indeed that's going to happen it's sort of like we, they blow it up and they realize the cradle exists without the cradle 
Yeah, in a way. And that but the mesh network or whatever is exactly. is like the real thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean it's it's this I super like romantic really, idealized idea that oh like all day, people are connected and like at no, the end of the day this are. is still going to be a show about heroes and villains and yeah. winners and losers yeah. and that's a very hard message to get across. That that's a, that's all I'll say. But I've said that before and been wrong. All right. Do you have any stupid theories? I just gave you my stupidest theory. No, that's okay. No, I really believe in that. I'm telling you. It's the, the It's all community. about the ants. It's all about each other. It's all Damn, about crazy. And love. You just want this to be an ant show. Ants and Moses and Adam and you Eve. You just want everybody I want it to be about to love and dinosaurs. And I want the I want the AT&T merger with Time Warner to be blocked so Comcast can get Time Warner and then Universal which has Jurassic Park rights will then be able to collaborate with HBO and they can actually make another park for dinosaurs. I don't, Danny I don't. just started levitating out of his chair. That's it's <laughs> honestly that is the, that is the most yeah, on a show where you say like largely truly wild shit, that is the wildest thing. <laughs> Somewhere in a, like a, on a highway in LA right now, a, an associate producer at VH1 just like parked their car in the curb and started scribbling "love and dinosaurs" down on a pad of paper. <laughs> Chuck Berry, yeah. Chuck Berry. <laughs> um, let's do. Do you got anything else for us? We got to get out of here, man. Or you know, pulled off to the side of the road and decided to I just was, welcome death. I think that was my. I, I kind of thought you guys would hate that a lot more than I, you did. So I, like, mean, I saved that for my I last one. I think that you, you thought, wore uh, me down. I, I hate it so much I'm exhausted. Yeah. yeah, you wore me down. I, it, it's not so much that I don't hate it. It's uh, just that I'm too tired to be angry. One, re- one really other other really <laughs> dumb one? Do it. So all those, all that, when you went in the cradle and like the, that red room, all those shelves, like it's actually water. Like all those are filled with water. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And like we know the cradle blew up. So like... And there were fires in there. And last I checked, like, fire and water don't go together. So what if the cradle <laughs> floods and Bernard is being looped through and that sea doesn't actually exist? It just is in the cradle. But what he perceives as water everywhere and all the wa- shelves are broken and all those little control units are tossed to skew, he perceives that in the cradle as, like, dead bodies floating. But in reality, it's just control units, like, in, like, a flooded cradle room. So the sea doesn't actually isn't actually there. Huh. I don't think this is that crazy an idea because I don't think I, I'm not. I haven't really spent that much time thinking in depth about like the the, the physics of the cradle. Yeah, like I the, mean, like the, I, blue, the, the like the the you know the schematic of the room doesn't really hasn't really was, like crept into t- my consciousness. It's also just because the HBO released a video of Jonathan Nolan literally talking about that for five minutes, like the cradle physics, and I'm like, oh, they don't think that they're not confident that people got that it was water. Oh. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't know. It was after. Yeah, it was just after pay, Bernard was, gets. They his, were literally his brain walking through, out. like it was not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it it literally gets dropped into a fish tank of whatever that preservative liquid is, and then it's just kind of like I remember the the way that it cuts is just kind of like oh well now he's on the train, so I think that it was one of those things where I was just like okay, like I have to be very conscious of where exactly we like being conscious of where exactly we are it would make sense that the 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 hosts floating in the lagoon are just people that have their brain balls on the vet or whatever <laughs> um Wait, so what i are mean the like i don't things called? huh oh, no, I, never mind brain balls is the only brain term balls that we're going to be using as close as we're going on. to get i think i it's kind of like that thing at the 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 the, the movie with Simon Pegg called The End of the World, where it's just like nobody in the last fifteen minutes has come up with anything better than Smashy Smashy Eggman. Like, <laughs> so we're, we're just gonna go with brain balls. 
I, we got to get out of here. Next week, I have confidence, is going to be even better. Ford's back. Bernard is in the cradle. There's a giant train of explosives, I think, hurtling towards the Mesa. Well, it already blew up, didn't it? Did it? Yeah, there was, a, there was, there was, a, there was the a explosion yeah. while uh, oh, yeah. they were in the cradle. Yeah. We'll see how that plays out. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see. I guess we'll see the fallout from that. And, um, and uh, we'll all be happy. I'll be happy. If there's dinosaurs or ants. The ants. You're Thank you guys reference. for doing this. Augie, <laughs> uh, thanks for recording us. Thanks, everybody, to listening. We'll see you back here on Sunday night, immediately after the episode, amigos. Our theme song was made by our friends at songfinch.com. Check out Songfinch to turn your stories, memories, and feelings into a one-of-a-kind song by professional musicians. It makes the perfect gift for any occasion. Songfinch.com. <laughs>